Our reading today is from Luke chapter 1, and it's on page 1026 in the Church Bibles. Luke chapter 1, and I'm going to start at verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. And skipping forward to verse 46. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. Amen. So here we have two of the very familiar stories of that first Christmas, what we call the Annunciation, when the angel Gabriel tells Mary of her coming baby, and the Magnificat, Mary's song of praise to God. And perhaps they're so familiar to us that the potency of the words of both of them might wash over us, and we don't get the full impact of them. Because, in fact, what's being said must have been very troubling. Particularly to someone who was, by the convention of the time, probably just a young teenager. Yes, the angel's announcement uses the word favor a lot. You have found favor with God, you who are highly favored. And Mary, in her song, rejoices and uses the word blessed. All people will call me blessed. And those are good, positive words. So what's there to worry about? But look, 
look at the challenges involved. All the implications of what was being asked of this very young girl. Yes, there was the whole business of having a baby, but she and Joseph were probably planning that anyway, even if not so soon. But the way it was going to happen, think of the cost involved. The cost of not being believed. The cost of having such doubts about her put in the mind of the man she loved. And she lived in Nazareth, a small town. The sort of place where everybody knows everyone else's business. And this wasn't something you could hide. This was going to be village gossip for the rest of her life. This was going to be shame on her and her family. And later, after Jesus was born, she was to hear Simeon's prophecy that a sword would pierce her own soul too. Because she would live to see this child, this child of promise, be crucified and die a criminal's death. So this was inconvenient to say the least. There's nothing simple and nice and easy here. This is what they call a very hard ask. No wonder it says she was troubled by the angel's words. Yet she said yes. Even knowing all this, she said yes. She accepted the angel's word that she was highly favored. She even describes herself as blessed. And that her spirit rejoices in God, even for the very thing that was going to cause her so much trouble. As Protestants, we have a wariness about playing Mary up too much. But she's shown to us here in the Bible as an ideal of discipleship. And we should take note of that and honor her for it. Because what we see is that God's call doesn't always fit with our plans. It isn't always convenient for us. In fact, it can be downright troublesome. But what about us? We're probably not going to be asked to do anything as big as what God called Mary to do. Although, you never know. What God called her to was definitely a one-off event, never to be repeated. But if we are his followers, his disciples, then the deal is that he can call us to anything he chooses. That's what calling him Lord means. And when we hear that call, what are we going to do? There's no guarantee that there won't be a cost. There certainly was for Mary. It could be difficult. It could cause disruption to our lives, even some heartache. What are we going to do? Because Mary accepted the cost, the disruption. She said, yes, may it be to me as you have said. In fact, she even counted herself blessed to be used by God, to be chosen to do something as part of his plan. Because look at the promises he gives. The Lord is with you. Remember that name, the Lord. We came across it in Exodus just a few weeks back. 
at the burning bush when God revealed his name to Moses. This God, the one who made promises to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, who called Moses and rescued his people from Egypt, this God is the one who's calling you. This is the one you'll be working for. He does great things. And look at what he says is going to happen. You are going to be part of God's plan to rescue his people. This child, he will be great. He will be the son of the Most High. He will reign on David's throne. His kingdom will never end. Tremendous promises. And full of the expectation of the Messiah King we saw when we looked at Mark's gospel. This is where it all happens. And you are going to be part of it. Of course there are obstacles to be overcome. How can this be? How can I have a child? But look at what God has already done. Your relative Elizabeth... The one who couldn't have children is already six months pregnant. And Mary agrees. She knows the disruption to her life this is going to cause. But she agrees. She accepts it all just to be part of God's plan. And that's the challenge to us. I'm guessing there'll be nothing like as drastic as the choices or disruption Mary faced. Nothing so demanding. But will we agree when God calls us? Will we accept any disruption that causes? Even rejoice in it as Mary did. She said yes. And as if personal disruption wasn't enough, look at Mary's song, The Magnificat. It's about God as the disruptor of whole societies. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. This is not a song celebrating the status quo. This is about God turning the whole world upside down. You'll find an echo of it later in the Sermon on the Mount. When those who mourn will be comforted. When the meek will inherit the earth. When God ends the present age and brings in his kingdom where these things are realities. So perhaps not so much turning things upside down as putting them the right way up again out of a broken world. And why? Not just disruption for the sake of it, but because of his plans and promises. Disrupting the whole world definitely seems to be part of his plan. And then in verse 53, we're right back to Abraham again. He does all this, makes all this difficulty to the way the world works because of his plan, his promises. He promised Abraham that through him and his descendants, all the peoples of the earth would be blessed. And now, here it is. Mary, who calls herself blessed, sees all this coming to fulfillment in her child. As Jesus comes, as he is born, he is the Messiah, the King, 
who will turn the world upside down to keep God's word. (coughs) But so far, we've only looked at God as the disruptor of our lives, calling individuals to hard and difficult tasks, like Mary, or turning whole societies upside down. Are we tempted to feel a bit resentful about that? That we go through all the disruption and pain while he stands aloof in heaven, unaffected by our troubles. Is that fair? But the answer is that's not the way it is. Because in this very story, God's plans cause disruption first and foremost to himself. He first imposes on himself the cost and the trouble long before he asks us to share in it. He doesn't ask us to go anywhere. He hasn't been before us. We might look at the angel's words to Mary about this promised child, Jesus, and see talk of thrones and kingdoms and reigning. We might see only honor and privilege there. But we need to see the other side of the coin. And to do that, we turn to What are probably familiar words from Philippians 2. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Listen to those words. He made himself nothing. He took on the nature of a servant. He humbled himself. He was obedient even to death on a cross. Yes, the titles and honors the angel declares for him are great. But compared with the glory of heaven he left behind, what are they? He humbled himself, made himself nothing to share our life. This Jesus came to serve and not to be served. He came to give his life as a ransom for many. Our servant king enthroned on a cross. And so he doesn't ask us for any more than he has already given himself, because no servant is greater than his master, and we follow in his footsteps. So the angel came to Mary and told her what God's call on her life would be with all its costs and trouble and disruption. And she said, yes. And when God calls us, what will our answer be? Just take a moment of quiet to ponder that, and then I'll pray. Lord Jesus, you left all the glory of heaven for us. You humbled yourself and became nothing to become one of us. And not to come and rule over us, but to serve, to be the servant king, 
the one who gives themselves and in the end gives their life even on a cross for us. Lord, you have walked the way of service before us. You cannot ask us for more than you have done yourself already. Lord, may our ears be open to hear your call on our lives. And when we hear that call, may we like Mary say yes. Amen.